his mercy rewrote my life and I should have fallen my soul cast down but your mercy rewrote my I should have fallen my soul cast down but your mercy rewrote my life one more time aren't you thankful for that mercy this morning mercy it rewrote my God's mercy, it rewrote my life, and I should have fallen, oh my soul cast down for your mercy. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. I'm finding more power than I've ever dreamed. Well, I'm learning to lean on I am learning to lean. Lord, I'm learning. Hallelujah. On And I'm finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Sister Becky, if you could just continue to play that. I want to sing this one more time. I know lots of families here and lots of families that aren't here, as you can see this morning, that are needing to lean on Jesus. Amen. No matter what you're going through, 
Amen. Some of us are going through some physical things. Some of us are going through emotional and relationship things. Some of us are going through financial things. Some of us are going through spiritual things. But Lord, I am thankful that there is someone I can lean on this morning. Amen. Because no matter what the problem is, no matter what the situation is, he's got the answer and he wants us to lean on him. Amen. Let's sing that one more time and I just encourage you to enter into it. Open your hearts up this morning. Well, I'm learning, oh, to lean. Yes, I'm learning to lean. Lord, I am learning to lean on Jesus. And I'm finding more power than I've ever dreamed. Lord, I'm learning to lean. Well, I want to welcome you to the service this morning. It's good to have all of you here. Um, let's sing that song. Uh, you can play that as we open the service in a word of prayer. Bring all your needs uh, to the altar. Uh, I'm going to ask our brother Jaron if he would come and open the service in a word of prayer. Um, got a really long list here of uh, folks that are not feeling well and are sick and aren't able to be with us. So we just want to remember them in prayer. We want to remember uh, uh, Joe and Noah Cockman that are away. We want to remember Brother John Cockman and family that aren't feeling well this morning. Brother Matt Cross uh, is not doing well. Sister Sarah Vasaki. Uh, Ashlon is uh, away in South Carolina. Uh, we want to remember the Pascals. Sister uh, Tracy Rayburn is away. I didn't see her this morning. Sister Doris uh, Reynolds, I believe, is not feeling well. We want to remember the Whitlocks that are working. Uh, we want to always remember um, Brother uh, Richard and uh, Sister Mary Smith. Always want to remember them in prayer. Just really appreciate them and love them so much. Um, so much and we really really miss them uh, we want to remember our uh, brother Wellington who is going to be uh, traveling uh, on November 10th back to Zimbabwe so we want to remember him that the Lord gives him uh, safe traveling mercies um, we want to remember our brother Keith Buchanan I had a good conversation with him on the way to church this morning and uh, it's hard for him not to be here uh, it's really hard for him not to be here as you all know brother Keith is a people person and when he leads songs he likes to get his tractor going as he likes to say and um, it's uh, it's really really hard on him not to be here this morning and not to being able to shake people's hands and uh, worship with you and he has such a beautiful voice when it comes to singing. We miss him not being here, but I just ask you to remember him and Sister Sarah. I'd ask you to remember uh, 
Brother Keith. Uh, physically as well as emotionally, Satan plays hard on your mind when you're going through something as hard as he is right now physically. And, uh, you know, we know that that's where the battle is. Brother Random told us, right, is right up here. So we just want to continue to remember Brother Keith. We love him and we miss him. So we just ask that you pray for him, pray for him strength emotionally, uh, as well as uh, that God can heal him. Amen. this morning. Let's just approach his throne in prayer, bow our heads. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we humbly come before your throne of mercy, Lord. Lord, we've heard all the prayer requests, Lord. And Lord, we bear, Lord, our, our brethren and our sistren, Lord, and their, their needs before you, Lord. And we just pray, God, that you would just come near to each and every heart and every mind, Lord. If there's anything contrary in our spirits, Lord, we just open ourselves before you, God, and ask forgiveness of anything, Lord. Lord, we want nothing to stand between us and you, God, and your blessings and your mercy and your grace, Lord. So, Lord, I hold up my brothers and my sisters in prayer before you, Lord, thanking especially, Lord, in this moment, Brother Keith, Lord, and I pray that you touch his body, Lord. Lord, I know my brother would love to be here and playing the organ here beside me, Lord, and I, I just, my heart goes out to him, Lord, and I pray for him, Lord, that you would just grant healing to his body, God. We claim his healing in the name of Jesus, Lord, for by your stripes we are healed, Lord. And as any one or two agree as touching one thing, Lord, as your scripture says, Lord, it will be done, Lord. And Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we bond our faith together, Lord, for all these prayer requests, Lord. Think of Brother Wellington and traveling uh, back to Zimbabwe there, Lord. I pray that he would be a blessing wherever he goes, Lord, and that you would just grant him traveling mercies as he's going, Lord. May your angels just, just travel along beside him, Lord, and keep him safe, Lord, when he arrives at his destination, Lord. I pray that you would just be with him. Lord, and all the others, Lord, that are sick and afflicted during this time, Lord, I pray that you would just sweep across your assembly with healing in your wings, Father. Lord, drive away any sickness, disease, or virus from our midst, Lord God. Lord, may your Holy Spirit fall, Lord Jesus, as in olden days, Lord, and cloven tongues of fire, Lord, upon each individual, Lord. May your Holy Spirit descend and fall upon us, God. Lord, we desire you, Lord. Help us to be desperate for you in these times, God. Wickedness all around us, the world has fallen apart, Jesus. God, we need you more than ever, Lord. We're holding to your hand. We're holding to your promises, God. We're looking forward to what you have in store for us in the word today, Lord. My heart is excited, Lord. Speak to me in a personal way, Lord. Lord, speak to us all. Everyone in, in this building and assembly is here for a reason, God. Lord, we are looking with expectation to you, Lord. May you just drop a seed, Lord, in each heart today. Something that would just sustain us, God. Give us the faith we need to endure in these times. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brother Jaron, turn and shake hands with those that are around you. Welcome them to the service. And you uh, may have your seats. I wanted to give a uh, big thank you this morning uh, to our uh, wonderful IT department, our uh, sound folks back there. Um, you know, it's interesting when you see a duck.
as they say, the duck on the top of the water, it's everything's smooth sailing and underneath the feet are moving like crazy. Um, they scared me to death when I came up here and told me that there was no words. We're not working on the computer. And uh, I had the songbook out and I was getting ready to flip and hope some of you old timers remembered the words and uh, some of the young kids would start learning them from memory like we used to have to do when I was a kid. And uh, so I wanted to th- say thank you to Brother Jeremy and Brother Luke uh, Coffey back there. They're working hard trying to figure it out still. And they've somehow got pieced us together a little bit. So, whew, that was good. All right. We're going to sing uh, Shout to the Lord, My Jesus, My Savior. Aren't you thankful for him this morning? He's worthy of our praise, isn't he? I, I, sometimes I think we forget that. We get so bogged down with the everyday living that uh, I do sometimes. We forget to praise him and say we're thankful for him. Amen. My Jesus. My Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My Let us see. 
to come at this time, if they could make their way up, and um, I'm going to ask Brother Ethan and Brother Christian if they can make their way up right now while the ushers are coming. I think the ushers are coming. We're trying to get an usher. (laughs) There we go. We've got them both coming. That's great. Uh, It's great to have. I want to welcome a couple folks, make a couple announcements here. We're getting ready uh, to uh, take up the offering want to uh, welcome Brother Christian here. Uh, he's visiting from uh, Virginia, goes to Liberty University, he's visiting us. want to welcome Sister Katie here from uh, Georgia. We also want to welcome Sister Memory uh, here from Zimbabwe. God bless you. Uh, it's great to have you from Brother Godwin's church. We hope you feel welcomed and enjoy being here. It's great to have you. Um, also, I want to just let everybody know, on November 19th, Brother Trevor... Edmund, 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 I always get his last name wrong, Edmund, is coming. He'll be here November 19th on Sunday to, uh, did I say it right? Is it Is it Edmund? Edmund? Edmund. Yes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Brother Trevor will be with us uh, November 19th and uh, is going to be ministering for us then. Brother Tom, could you say a blessing on the offering? Amen. God of creation, there at the stars before the beginning time No point of rest 
different ways Every precious one A child you die to save If you gave your life to love them So will I Like you would again A hundred billion times Measure could amount to your desire. You're the one who never leaves the one behind. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing one more song as Brother Barry gets ready to come. Let's sing, Through It All. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Amen. I was talking to Brother Keith this morning, and uh, he, uh, he asked us to sing this. And uh, so, Brother Keith, we're, uh, we're thinking about you this morning. So we're singing this. I, uh, I'm a little emotional this morning, but uh, I was sharing, Brother Keith, a testimony of um, when I was in my early 20s, I went through something emotionally devastating in my life, and God gave me this song, and no matter what you're going through, amen, through it all, I've learned to trust Him, Amen. We've all got problems, like we just said this morning, right? <clears throat> we all struggle with our own, <clears throat> our own insecurities, our own problems, our own issues that we all have, and they're all different. Every one of us have different ones. None of them are the same. That's what makes us unique in the family of God. But through it all, if you learn to trust Him, amen, He's going to take care of it. We may not even understand it right now while we're going through the battle. Amen. But sometimes it's either on the other side of the problem. Sometimes it might be not till the other side of the time of veil. Veil of time. But we will know sometime. Amen. The reason why we went through it all. Amen. Well, through it all. Yes, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus And I've learned to trust in God Well, through it all Through it all Well, I've learned to depend upon His Word I've had many tears and sorrows I've had questions for tomorrow Many times I didn't know right from wrong Well, every situation God gave Blessed consolation that my 
trials would only come to make me strong. in God through it all through it all will I've learned to depend upon his word I like this verse I've been a lot of places and I've seen a lot of faces But there are times i felt so all alone Amen Well, in the lonely hours Yes, those precious lonely hours Well, Jesus let me know that I was his own Well, through it all Oh, through it all Well, I've learned to trust in Jesus Amen Oh, I've learned to trust in God Well, through it all Thank you, Lord Jesus, through it all, will I've learned to depend upon His Word. So I thank Him for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He brought me through. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, if I never had a problem, how could I know that God could solve them? Amen. How could I know what faith in God could do? Let's sing it. Well, through it all, yes, through it all, will I I've learned to trust in Jesus, and I've learned to trust in God, oh, through it all. Sing it again now, the chorus. Through it all. Yes, Lord.
so nice. Sounds so nice. We're going to go to prayer this morning, and uh, I'd like you to remember Brother Joel Drum and Sister Frida Drum. And uh, they're not here today. They're listening, and um, Brother Joel has still some complications, and they're doing a scan this week, and Sister Frida as well has some complications uh, with the migraines and so forth that she's been having. And uh, if you don't mind remembering them in prayer, and I told them this morning I would uh, take this before the church, and uh, I'm just going to ask you if you don't mind if you're the type of person that remembers these needs and uh, you know records them in your heart and remembers them through the week, I'm going to ask you to add this uh, couple, a very precious couple to us, and uh, add them to your prayer list, and let's just hold them up in prayer because that's what the function of the body it's one of the functions of the body is to do is to those that are strong to pray for those that are weak and uphold them. And so we want to do that this morning. Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts and our minds, Lord, before you this morning, we, we don't know, Lord, why things happen the way they do, Lord, and in the time and season that they do, but they do. And Lord, we, there's many things we just have to accept, knowing, Lord, that your ways are higher than our ways. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, we bring all of these needs and requests that have been mentioned before you this morning. We bring them into your presence and we ask, oh God, that you would be mindful of the burden that some of our church members are carrying, Lord. And we think of Brother Keith, Lord, and the drums and Sister Karen Buchanan and Lord, so many others that are just reaching out and needing your presence, Lord, in their lives just to do a supernatural thing. And we believe you're a supernatural God today and one who works miracles and you go beyond, Lord, even what we could ask or think. And we have great confidence, Lord, that you know all about it. And yet we bring it to you again because by faith, Lord, we want to continue to knock at heaven's door and pray there, God, that you would be merciful to these that need that touch today. We love you and we thank you, Lord, and invite your presence to be here in an even greater way as the word goes forth, Lord. And may you just impregnate every heart, and Lord, open our minds and our souls, Lord, that we can receive from you. We commit this time into your hands now. We give it to you, Lord, like an offering today, and we say, Lord, bless our time together now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for earth, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard, who can grasp?
once again now. Oh, we stand in awe of you, Lord. Oh, we give you praise and thanks, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your wonderful name. Oh, we give you praise and honor and glory, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Yes, Lord Jesus. Sing it again now, one more time. Yes, Lord. and just give praise and glory this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just praise Him this morning. Oh, we thank you, Lord. How we love you, Lord Jesus. How we praise your name, Lord. You are worthy of all praise and all glory and honor, Lord. We lift your name on high. We give you glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Take complete control now, we pray. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, I stand, I stand in all of you. Yes, I stand, I stand in all of you. Holy God, to all seated this morning. Have your Bible ready. We're going to read it in just a second. We'll let our musicians take your places uh, this morning. Appreciate you uh, being with us today. Good to have all of our visitors and friends that are here. Christian, good to have you today. Uh, God bless you and uh, each and every one. And I don't want to go around the room here because I know I'll miss some. But it is certainly nice to have Mr. and Misery's Tyler Coppola, Coppola with us today. Good to have you back. We, uh, we missed you. It's good to have you back. Nice to meet your family in the wedding. And uh, even though that the Coppola family comes from a long heritage of people who are from the German area, who actually owned a sauerkraut farm that Hitler was interested in. You didn't know I knew that. But I just thought I'd throw that in. Now, I don't want you to taint his, your view of Tyler over here. But just saying, need to know some things. Good, good to have you back. God bless you. Appreciate you being here. Um, <clears throat> I, I just want to say that we, we certainly did uh, uh, enjoy our time yesterday. And I got a couple of pictures here that I wanted to show you. But let me do a couple of birthdays here first. Today is a special day. Uh, ben Pritchard's birthday, not here today. And brother, or brother Pierce Jackson. Pierce, your birthday today? How old are you today? Really? Huh. And uh, Morgan Cockman. And the Cockmans are home not well today, so we wish them all a happy birthday today. And Pierce, too. November 7th is uh, David and Karen's anniversary, right? 
David and Karen? They're what? They're gone. Oh, that's right. They're gone. They're, they're away for their anniversary. And then Sister Amber, uh, her birthday uh, on the 7th as well. God bless you. And November 8th is Sister Melody's uh, birthday. And November 10th is Chris and Keisha Clayville's birthday, right? Or, or anniversary. I'm sorry. How many years? 11 years. We appreciate uh, Brother Chris and Sister Keisha a great deal. The work they do and the things they do behind the scenes and managing our fellowship hall and uh, so forth, just a tremendous job, and we appreciate all of that, uh, all of that work. And uh, November 11th is Aiden Stevens' birthday, and uh, he's not here today, and uh, we wish uh, him a happy birthday as well. Now, uh, Brother Wellington is with us today, leaving for Zimbabwe this week, and been a long time, right, since you've been in Zimbabwe. How many years? Twelve years. And going back to visit family and, and uh, churches there and so forth. So uh, we wish you all the best and, and Godspeed. We'll look after your family while you're gone. And uh, just wanted to show you a couple of pictures here. Brother Aaron uh, and uh, the, the ministers and folks that work with him have been distributing Bibles and uh, books from different sources. And some of the ones we sent over in different places, different villages there. But I wanted to just show you this one. And here's another group that meets under this big tree. And you can see them, uh, you know, underneath the shade there. And uh, they got some of these pictures of them receiving uh, Bibles and getting ready to distribute them there. And uh, the folks are, are pretty happy about all of that. So we're, we're just honored to be able to help those folks. I'm glad we found them. I'm glad we, uh, you know, we, we find out where they are and, and then to be able to help. They're not, they're not uh, pushing to, uh, you know, be known. They're not, they're not uh, you know what I'm saying, they're not being aggressive and saying, hey, you need to notice us because we worship underneath a tree. But um, I, I'm glad we find them. And, and when we find believers like this, uh, if, if they desire help and, and have needs, we just love to be able to do what we can. And uh, that's a pretty sincere group that will meet underneath the tree every Sunday. So may God bless them. Yesterday we had a, just an outstanding time. And uh, it was a lot of fun because you, you, you in order to have a, a, an event like yesterday where we had the fall festival, you have to have two things. You have to have uh, good leadership and organization and you have to have good food, right? And we had both. And uh, we appreciate Brother John, Sister Laura in organizing the events yesterday. And we appreciate Sister Angela and her team of workers uh, worked tirelessly all afternoon, Sister Kim and, and uh, Sister... Uh, Sister Jackie and Sister Sister Ellen and uh, uh, everybody else who helped and, and was so faithful. Yes, it was, it was wonderful. We really appreciate uh, all the effort that was put into it. And there were some out, pretty outstanding uh, performances yesterday. This was the uh, dream team won by a landslide of Peter and, and Ethan. Uh, just took home the goal. I mean, there was no question about it at all. Just got in there and did it. Uh, but I thought this was one of the uh, classic picture here. Uh, Jason, the kid, Ashdown, and Brother Shem. Uh, just third place, was it? That they came third place. And, I, man, I was impressed. That international team just... just. And then uh, Dr. Mayle, uh was not in the picture. He was... Uh, uh, somewhere and wasn't in the picture there, but uh, was in the in the top three. And uh, then uh, this, uh, this one of the food pictures here, and man, we, we just it was just lovely. We just had a wonderful 
a wonderful time. Kids always enjoy it, and uh, uh, we, we were just blessed with wonderful weather, and um, axe throwing. Uh, I, it was, uh, how many would agree? It was just a wonderful day. And we appreciate all the work that went into it. Now, uh, last Sunday, I, I mentioned that it was, uh, I put a picture of Brother Fulcher uh, up on the screen, and uh, it was uh, his 97th birthday. And uh, so we uh, mentioned him last Sunday. But I didn't, I, I, I omitted, and I didn't do this intentionally, but I omitted someone else's birthday. And it, it was certainly a special day for a special guy. And it was Titus's birthday last Sunday. Where's Titus? Where's he at? There he is. And, and the gold medal in the pie eating co- pie contest went to Titus uh, yesterday as well. And uh, that's a big honor. That's a big honor, Titus. And uh, love the jacket. And uh, so we wanted to feature, feature you today. <clears throat> so, well, um, I wanted to turn our thoughts to the word. I think that's it. Oh, no, there's one more thing. There's one more thing I need to announce. And that is, I'd like to make a special warm welcome to two people who are entering the world of grandparenting, John and Laura Harwell. Because someone's having a baby on the other end of the row over here. We're excited for you both. God bless you. That's, uh, that's thrilling, and we're just uh, delighted. So, uh, John and Hannah, we're, uh, we're just delighted. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet this morning. <clears throat> we're going to be dealing with this subject of the harvest again today, and I, um, I want to jump right in. Daniel chapter 3. Let's read. This morning, I'm sorry, this is Jan- Daniel chapter 2, and that's a mistake there. Daniel chapter 2, and let's take a little passage there. <clears throat> now, I hope you're ready here with your, um, I want you just to focus your, your thoughts and your, your mind here this morning on what we're going to be talking about, because we have moved into, I think, in, in my own spirit, my own heart, I, I feel like we have moved into a serious uh, time, a time that's a little bit more serious than where we've been previously. I think things are happening in the world, and uh, therefore it, it's kind of given me just a, uh, just a uh, I, I, I feel like I, the word that best describes it is sober. Uh, there's a soberness about the, the time that we move into, we've moved into, and there are things happening that are easily identifiable in the Bible. And that always should get our attention. So we're going back in history here when Nebuchadnezzar has the vision that he has. And uh, he's greatly troubled by this vision. And he has uh, wise men who are hired to figure out lots of things in the kingdom. And he goes to them and he says, now look, I I want you folks to interpret this uh, dream that I've had. And I'm greatly troubled by it. But before you tell me what it means, I want you to tell me what the dream is. So he doesn't describe it. He says, I want you to tell me what the dream is, and then I want to, want you to, want to have the interpretation. Well, nobody in the kingdom can do that, right? Nobody's, uh, nobody's able to come up with that answer. So Daniel and uh, 
the three uh, Hebrew friends uh, of his are there in the, in the kingdom. They're listening to this, and they're considered one of the wise men as well. The king is so frustrated, and the Bible says that he was angry and very furious. That's the words that the Bible uses there in verse 12. He's so angry that he says, let's put to death all the wise men. We're going to just kill them all because they're useless. They can't come up with the answer. Daniel's looking at this, and this is significant to Daniel because he's one of them. And so this could be the end of his life here. He gathers together in 14, and he asks one of the king's assistants here, and I'm not reading the scripture at the moment here, but he, he, he asked the assistant, he said, could you give us a stay of execution here, and we'll pray. He said, if you don't mind, just hold off just a little bit, and, and we'll pray, and then we'll see what God will do. And so the assistant does that successfully and gives Daniel and the three Hebrew children just a little space of time to seek God, and God comes through and gives them the answer to the dream. In verse 19, it says, Then was a secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And this is what he said. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. And he removeth kings and setteth up kings. And he giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. And he knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. May God add his blessing. You may be seated. You can see why Daniel would say such profound words. Because not only do they have the understanding, but they also have their live spirit uh, in the process. And so this is an important uh, statement that Daniel makes here because he knows that the wisdom to be able uh, to know deep things and the wisdom to know things that are hidden from the world come only from God. When God releases that or God unveils that or reveals that, uh, that, that essentially is the only way you get stuff when God hides it. One thing that God is good at is hiding things. He's really good at hiding things. He can take any of his words, any of his passages in the Bible and hide it. And, and people can read over it and read over it for centuries and centuries. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, God will unveil something or reveal something about it. And human intellect can't crack those codes that God, uh, God embeds in his word. And so I feel like that we this morning are really privileged people to know what we know. Not only about the Bible and the mysteries in it, but to know the times we live in and to know where we are in that timeline. To have the orientation to know where you are in the timeline is a great privilege because it orients you. It, it, it gives you, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the position, the, right, the knowledge of the right position that you should be in. Like I said many times before, when you go into the shopping mall, uh, when I do, I always look for the directory and the red dot. Because the red dot always tells me you are here, right? And once you know where you are, you, you know how to navigate everywhere because you know where you're standing. If you don't know where you're standing, you don't know how far it is to this store or that store. And you're not able to get directions very well. And so when you know where you are, Brother Branham came along in the last day and said, on God's timeline, we're right here. We're at the end. 
We're right here, just at the end of the Gentile dispensation, and the Jews are going to come on the scene here pretty soon, two prophets in Revelation chapter 11. Without that, you could be thinking you've got thousands of years ahead of you. And I'm here to tell you today, you don't. Right? We could also be thinking, like some people believe, that we're already in the millennium. And I got news for you, we're not. It shouldn't be a shock to most of us, but yet there are some people who fail to have an orientation that is biblical so they don't really know where they are. Does that make sense? And so therefore, I believe that we are a blessed people as well to have the knowledge that God gives of great and deep things that were reserved for this last day. So I want to I dig into this because this harvest principle is really prominent all through the Bible. And there's lots of things that are said about it. And there's lots of things that are pointing towards it in Scripture. And so we want to look at it because it affects all of us. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, uh, whether you're a denominational person or whatever else, uh, it affects everybody. Everybody in the world, just like everything in the field, changes at harvest time. Isn't that right? Everything in the field is affected in the harvest time. And, and, if, and if you're in a wheat field and you're wheat, you're going somewhere. And if you're in the wheat field and you're not wheat, you're going somewhere too, right? Everybody's affected when, when it comes to harvest time because God is doing something that is universal. So let's look now. We want to grab a quote from last Sunday. And in the church age book, Brother Bram said, so we come to the last age, the Laodicean age, the seventh. We come to the end of that. That is our age, and we know it is the last age, for the Jews are back in Palestine. And it was called Palestine until Israel was established. And no matter how they got there, they're there. And this is harvest time. But before there can be a harvest, there has to be a ripening, a maturing of both the vines. So everything is manifested in this last day. Everything is viewable as it really is in the last day. I've said many times, we're going to see the real me and the real you when this thing is all over. You can't help it because we're all growing to that place of maturity. The Lutheran age was springtime. Wesleyan age was summer of growth. Laodicean age is the harvest time, or, uh, the harvest time of gathering the tares for the binding and burning and the gathering of wheat for the Lord. So there's a gathering out and a gathering in. But everybody's affected. You're, you're, you, you, don't, you, you don't have a choice in the harvest time. You may have a choice in, uh, in the growing season, but you don't have a choice in the harvest time because uh, there, there's something definitive that happens. So let's look at this understanding of harvest now. In Matthew chapter 13, and there's many, many, many scriptures that relate to things like this. Jesus said to the, uh, to the reapers, and this was the, the parable he was giving about the field being the world, and uh, there was a sower went forth to sow, and then there was somebody else who went behind and sowed wrong seed, uh, bad seed. And, and, and when they alerted the master and told him, hey, there's bad seed growing among the good seed, the master said, let both grow together until the harvest. Because in the time of harvest, the husbandman is looking for something specific. So we know that harvest then represents an end of something. It's the end of the growing cycle. It's the end of the maturing cycle. It's the end of everything for that field. We're going to wipe the slate clean and we'll start again next year. But harvest essentially represents an end of something. Okay? It's not the beginning. It's not planting. It's not growing. It's the end of something. 
And so uh, this is what uh, Jesus used in the parable. And he said, gather together first the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. That's what I'm looking for. So we know secondarily that the husbandman or the one who planted things is looking for something very specific. We're not looking for a general crop here. We're not looking for uh, everything that's in the field. He's making the point that he does not want to have certain things, but he wants to have this thing. And so this is not a generalized gathering. This is very specific. And this is what the parable uh, illustrates to us. In Genesis chapter 8, when Noah came out of the ark, uh, God said to him, while the earth remained at seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. God says, I'm going to initiate cycles in the earth. And these cycles will govern everything. They'll govern when you plant. They'll govern when you reap. They'll govern when animals have lots of fur. And they'll govern when animals lose their fur. It'll govern how you, uh, how you live and how you worship. All of these things will be affected by the cycles that I'm going to put in the earth. And they continue. There was an exception in Genesis chapter 45. And this is when uh, Joseph was in power. And uh, he explained to his brothers here, he said that uh, neither therefore, he says, now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. You sold me hither for God did send me before you to preserve life. This is Joseph explaining what's happened over the last so many years uh, when he was down in Egypt and his brothers were back there thinking he was dead or in slavery. For these two years hath the famine been in the land and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. So the earth is going to be affected to the point where there won't be a harvest because there won't be planting over that time. It's going to be a famine, a great famine, and it's going to affect everybody, and uh, yet God's provided for you during that time. So harvest is a uh, harvest, uh, and, and the growing cycle is, is prominent all through the Bible. It's, all, it's, obvious, it's obvious in life, but you've got to think of this, uh, two, these two things. Number one, it represents an end of something, and then secondly... The harvestman is looking for something specific. If I sowed this, I want to reap this over here. And that's what the husbandman is looking for. So when we talk about the harvest of the earth, or let's say it this way, the harvest of the Gentile bride, God is looking for that bride. He's not looking for women in general. Are you following me? He's looking for the bride, the bride. He's looking for his bride and nothing else. Last Sunday, we took a little time using this scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 31 about having no fear about the times we live in. And I will, I will admit, that's a challenge. It's a challenge not to be fearful when you look at the uncertainty of the world. I think somebody said, maybe Brother Jaron this morning, that, you know, our world is falling apart. And if you're living in a world, you know, we see reports of uh, what's happening in, in Gaza and you see their, their city falling apart. And there's been so much, uh, you know, bombardment and all of that, like, like uh, cities in war, that infrastructures become compromised. And there's all kinds of buildings falling down, tunnels, massive tunnel systems underneath that are falling down. And uh, it's all crumbling. Well, that's similar to our world. Even though the image is one of, we're strong, we're in power, we, we have might, and we have ability. Uh, it's just like I was listening to, to uh, our president saying that, hey, we're the strongest nation in the world. We can afford uh, to back Ukraine. We can afford to back Israel. We can afford to back anybody else and so forth. And I was thinking, sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. But in reality, the infrastructure of our world has changed dramatically. 
And so therefore, even though that's said, you should be preparing to leave here. Because before it all goes down into tribulation, God's going to snatch the bride out of the field. You believe that? So that's what you got to keep forefront. And if that's true, and if that's true, and this is something you probably should say at the end of a service, but if that's true, that we're living at the end, and the, and the field is ripe, and uh, you know we're, we've, come to, uh, to, we've come to this time, which is Revelation chapter 14, and another angel came out of the temple, with a crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, and said, Thrust in thy sickle, for the time has come for thee to reap. That's the cry that came out in the last day. This is the time... Uh, prior to the millennium, and we'll look at that in Scripture a little bit later on. But this is the hour right before the millennium, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. If we are living in that time, and here's where i got to pause and say this to you, and I, if I could, I'd sit down with every one of you across the dinner table or across a coffee cup and say to you, if this verse is true, that we are living in the time when it's time to reap, and we're living in the time when the harvest of the earth is ripe, you need to get with the program. You should not have me pushing you to come to church. You should not having me trying to excite you into a, uh, you know, a, a, an exuberance about the things of God. If you don't love the things of God now, after all we've heard, in this church, after all we've heard, my, my uh, pumping you up is probably not going to be long-lasting at all. My enthusiasm to you is not going to uh, really change your heart. And let me tell you, you should be praying that God, Lord, if I'm not really catching this, what Brother Barry's all red in the face about, Lord, stir in my heart that something might come out of me that will, will help me focus and be more sober and be more, uh, more in tune with what's going on. I, I, I study this for a living. I, I preach it for a living. I, I, I don't do it just for a living. I'm so glad God gave me this living to live. Uh, but I, 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 I'm, I'm into it a lot, and I think about it a lot, and it's always on my mind. And I, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's uh, to me, I, I get very passionate about it, and I get very passionate when people mess up with it, when people mess with it. And I, I, I will tell you this: that I, if nothing else, I'd love to share my enthusiasm with you and share what God shows me to show you. I, I, that's, that's what every sermon's all about. Uh, but I will tell you, I can't take you in. I can't carry you across the finish line. You've got to have your own relationship with Christ. You can have an encounter with God and you need to have one. Let me tell you, he's the one that's going to carry us across the finish line and he's the one that's going to get us there. He's the one that's going to change our body. He's the one that's going to put you in your new body on the other side. I can't do that and you can't do that. He in you is going to be the one to do that. And so therefore, you need to be in tune with him. You need to have your hand in his hand and you need to have your sights fixed on him. You need to have your heart in tune with God and your ear cocked so that you can listen to whatever he has to say. God wants to put you in a place. God wants to put you in position for all of this when it's all executed and it's all happening. And I'll tell you what, I believe we're here. I believe we're, we're moving right into that place. And if not now, I believe it'll be something similar to this because, uh, you know, the world interprets things one way and another way. And, uh, politicians try to figure it out. Uh, and and there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in our world here. But I will tell you, God knows exactly what's next. And God knows exactly where we need to be. Now, I believe he's in the, in, the, in the work of getting that done. We'll show you that in just a second here.
Now, in desperation, Brother Branham said, now watch what's come after the seven seals. The uniting of the people, united signs, red light flashing in the last days, sign of women getting prettier and men what they would do. And this is the problem of uh, 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 immorality in our world and how all the standards are breaking down. And basically, we uh, live in kind of a moral vacuum. And all of these signs of the Holy Spirit leading up then come right back here to the capping off of all of these messages since the seven seals. So... I would have to say that the, the opening of the seven seals and the, uh, the, breaking, the breaking open of the book is a triggering event to many other things happening in the world. Uh, and, and, and Brother Bram said it capped off in this one thing that the token uh, that we're all right, just check yourselves and see if we're in the faith. So in this last day, just like the breakdown of Egypt, and the breaking down of uh, Pharaoh's power and all of that. You know, he was literally powerless to hold Israel back. They went forth. But before they went forth, they had the token applied. Everybody here needs to say amen. Before they got loose of Egypt, they had to have the token applied. I believe the principle is exactly the same in our time. And before we break loose of this body and the cosmos that surrounds you, you're going to have to have the token applied. Now, we're, we're, gonna, we're pulling for nine months here. I mean, we're going to hope we're around at least for nine more months. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we live in a time where we've got very strong parallels, very strong types that tell us that's how God did it back then, and he's the Lord who changes not. All right. So let's go now, let's go now dig into this a little bit. Now, <clears throat> Brother Branham, uh, in the Revelation of Jesus Christ series, this is the series from which the Church Age book came, he's talking about the book of Zechariah. And he said, he said, take this real prayerfully now. I want you, he's, he's pausing on this, and he spends a fair bit of time in this uh, if you read the passage. And he's speaking of the coming, the second coming of Christ. And he's prophesying 487 years before the coming of Christ. Now that's the first coming of Christ. Okay, now remember, Zechariah speaks of uh, the captivity and the release of the people out of Babylon. But it also speaks of the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ and the conditions of what both would be like. And he says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all nations that come against Jerusalem. Well, now he's speaking of, of the second coming. He's talking about now. And he says, think of that. I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. Remember, Brother Matt Watkins talked about that, did an excellent job uh, in talking about that scripture when he was here several uh, months ago. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And this is the moment when Israel uh, gets the revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. And he's the Messiah that they uh, missed 2,000 years back. And so this is the pouring out of God's Spirit. And it not only, uh, not only gives them a revelation of uh, who, who the Messiah actually is, but it also lets them know who they are and how they fit back into the picture again. They're grafted back into the vine again. Certainly an exciting time. Gentile bride is gone when this takes place. And he says, now when is the gospel returning to the Jews? He said, when the day of the Gentiles is finished. So when does this happen? When, when does God actually turn back? When the day of the Gentiles is finished? What day is that? Well, I'm sorry. I don't have a June 5th, 2024. I don't have that for you. Because no man has that, right? But the advice is be ready for that day. Be ready against that day. Because God's itching and God will turn back to the Jews 
You don't need to be here when that happens. You're, you're not going to see that on CNN. You're not going to see that on the internet. What you're going to see is a marriage supper. Right? So you've got you to be gone before that part happens. Oh, look what he says. Oh, if I could just foretell you a little something that's fixing to happen right here in this day. He says, we get it in the church age. And this great thing is fixing to happen. We'll carry over to Revelation 11, pick up the two prophets, Elijah and Moses, returning back again for the Jews. He said, we're ready for it. Everything is setting in order, just ready. This Gentile message, as the Jews brought it to the Gentiles, he said, as the Jews brought it to the Gentiles, the Gentiles take it right back to the Jews again as a handoff, in other words. So the message, the message is in the hands of the Jewish people. They're the ones who possess the covenants and the commandments and the word and the prophets. All those came to, uh, to the Jews. Jesus said, I come unto my own, right? I came unto my own, and my own received me not. John chapter 1. And so therefore, Brother Bram's saying, the Jews had the ball, but the ball went into the arms of the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, upon leaving, hand the ball back to the Jews again. And he says, the Gentiles take it right back to the Jews again, and the rapture will come. So right in that handoff, our bodies are changed. Now remember, this here coming after the tribulation, he said the church does not go through the tribulation. Everybody said amen. amen. We know that, and the Bible says so. I was looking for a diagram to kind of show this to you, uh, how this would happen. And uh, just out of curiosity, and I went online, because sometimes, you know, people uh, in, in, uh, will do biblical drawings, and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're actually, they're actually kind of accurate. And so sometimes you can model a drawing after someone's drawing there. I don't often do this. But when I went to look at this particular scene, I was trying to graphically portray it. Every single teacher, everybody on the Internet had a seven-year tribulation. And they had the church going through the tribulation. Every single one of them. Except Brother Branham. And Brother Branham taught very carefully that the bride does not go through the tribulation, thank God. And we don't have a seven-year tribulation. We have a three-and-a-half-year tribulation, which is the last half of Daniel's 70th week. And so that's why he says the church does not go through the tribulation. The Bible says so. I'm glad we had a prophet in the last day. Because everybody else can be believing something else, but a prophet gets it right because he's not figuring it out himself. He gets it from God. He's got a connection with God, and he's got, a, he's got an ear that God fills with truth that's been hidden through the ages, right? Because not even prophets figured it out. They got it from God. And then he brings that to the uh, people that are on earth at that time. Now, as we mentioned last Sunday, that the children of Israel uh, in, in the book of Leviticus, they were commanded very specifically uh, in, in this time, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, I am the Lord your God, and after the doings of the land of Egypt wherein ye dwelt, ye shall not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, ye shall not do. Neither shall ye listen to their music, and neither shall ye go to their websites, and neither shall ye dress like them. Because these are, ordinances are not just suggestions. These are not just the things that are popular. The ordinances become the law of the land. They become the way of life. And so when you, when you listen now, if we take that principle where God says you're just passing through, you're just passing through this land, but when you come into the land that I will bring you, the ordinances of the world cease. 
Are we okay? When, when we come into the land where I'm going to bring you, you're not going to be living by the ordinances of the world. So therefore, no matter how strong woke thinking is, it shouldn't be your thinking because that doesn't come from me. Racist ideologies don't come from me. This idea of so-called tolerance doesn't come from me. Because it's not really tolerance when your Christian perspective is disrespected. It's not tolerance then. If it was true tolerance, everybody would get a seat at the table. Everybody would get a voice. Isn't that right? You understand what I'm saying? But everybody doesn't get a fair shake when it comes to tolerance in our world. And God is saying, even though that's protected by law, and God forbid you speak against some of the ordinances of this world, you will find yourself without a job, and you'll find yourself in court, and you'll find yourself uh, you know, railroaded out of the society you thought you were a part of. The moment you disagree with those things, and the moment you disagree with, you know, you say, well, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you can't change your gender. Just go ahead and say something like that. Go ahead and say something like that in school. You'll find out pretty quickly that there's not a whole lot of tolerance, really. And God is simply saying to the children of Israel, the people who possess the land now have ordinances. And they have a way of thinking. They have a mindset. They have a worldview. They have practices and patterns. And they have laws to protect all of it. And it doesn't matter how evil and wicked it gets and how contrary to my word it actually is. They've got laws to protect it. And you're going to walk in and trample right over that. And you're going to be established in this land in my, or, in my ordinances and think the way I want you to think. Now, we, uh, here, here we go. And i got to justify this. You don't want to go in and, uh, you know, take... take uh, you, don't want to, you don't want to do the wrong thing uh, in the environment you work in. You want to be a representative of the kingdom, right? And so you need to have, you need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves when we do this. But you're always called upon to maintain your Christian testimony. And, and there, are, there are things at stake here. And, you know, there are, there are uh, things that you had to be, use wisdom about uh, when it comes to things that are, uh, you know, in, imposed by different corporations and so forth. And I think you understand what I'm saying here. That we need, certainly need to use wisdom. You're, you're, I mean, you're not Jews, right? So you don't go in and blow up the city that you work in. But you're, you're not Jews. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully. We had to walk with wisdom in the world that we live in here. And so what God was telling them is that they have a way of thinking. And you've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your mind. And you've got to teach your children a better way than the way of the world. And you have a right to do that in your own household. At least, uh, at least we still do now. And he says, you shall do my judgments and you keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. So, in other words, you know, there are, uh, there are ordinances that are in the world. And, and let's just say, for example, and this just pops to mind. You know, there are taxes you have to pay as a part of being a citizen in this world. And, uh, you know, we, we have to go through the ritual every year and, and paying our taxes and so forth. In God's kingdom, we pay a tithing, don't we? And it's a different thing. And it's certainly used for a different purpose. And you can't really say, I'm not going to do either one. Or I'm going to do one or the other. Because if you don't pay your taxes, 
um, I'll come and visit you. And if you don't pay your tithes, he'll come and visit you. Verse 5, ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. What, that, what, what I think he's telling the people here is that from the first verse to the last verse, you've got to keep God in the center. You've got to keep God at the top of the pile, right? No matter what the world around you does, God's in control, and he's your God. Brother Bram says again in, in 1965, he said, how did Luther know about these baptisms and restoration of the Spirit when he was back in that day? He said the plant hadn't grown like that. In other words, that Luther did not have the maturity and the understanding we have. He didn't have the light and he didn't have the manifestation of the word, the full word in his day because the plant hadn't grown up that far yet, right? So you can't expect a, a plant half grown in the field uh, to be mature and to act like this when it's only here. That's not a disregard for Luther. I believe Luther and his followers will be there Right? I believe they'll be in heaven, but they acted on what they knew, but they didn't know what you know because they were living here, not here. And don't, disre- don't disregard them because we needed this. We needed this stage, right? We needed all the stages, but in the last day, they get a different perspective. And he said the plant hadn't grown like that. Neither Wesley and neither does Pentecostal know what's going on today. Pentecostal organization and Pentecostalism didn't know what's go- they don't know what's going on today. Why? Because you've moved on ahead. Of that. You move down above that. And I can prove by the Bible, this is the wheat age. Say it with me. Wheat age. There has never been another organization rise since Pentecost. And they can't be. It goes from the shuck to the wheat and there's nothing else but the grain. So when we come to the grain or the actual seed that went in the ground in the first place, that's where it stops. And that's what the husbandman's looking for. And that's why harvest is so important to him. And there's nothing else but the grain. That's the reason. Usually three years and they got an organization. Ask any historian. But there's no organization after this. It's wheat now. There's no more carriers. It's real grain. It's Christ among his people. You cannot denominate Jesus. You cannot denominate the Bible. And if that's where we've come to, the true bride will always remain sovereign. The true bride will not ever denominate because it's Christ in them, right? So, so Brother Bam's explaining all of these stages that uh, the grain goes through. But that's the bride, and that's only the bride. This is only for the bride. The rest of the world is pulled by the world into the, the direction God has allowed it to go. I said, the rest of the world is being pulled into a place that God's allowed it to go. So Israel was pulled into Israel by national force. Isn't that right? And the nations become a part of, uh, you know, the United Council and the United Nations and all those different organizations that umbrella the nations of the world and cause them to do what they do because national forces is causing them to do that. And we came out of churches and we came out of the world to become the bride of Christ because the Spirit of God was pulling a supernatural power, pulled us out of that. There's forces that are pulling everybody in the earth because it's harvest time, right? Remember, everybody in the field is affected one way or the other. You're going one place or the other. Everybody. What's really important for you to watch is where the United States are going. If not now, 
in this particular scenario, you watch how the United Nations is being pulled, or the United States is being pulled. This was an article, and I got several articles. Jason the Kid Ashdown sent me one. There were several others uh, that I received this, this week that are indicating how that there are things that you see in the headlines, and then there's backstories of all of it, and how the United States, through oil and different uh, Arab nations' influences, are causing you know, the United States to be in kind of a hot seat and a pretty uncomfortable position. And this is one of the, just a few sentences here. Israel, and this is a statement from the United States, Israel should avoid acting in isolation, but rather develop a strategy that serves its larger regional and international objectives. Did I read that right? Israel should avoid acting according to Zechariah chapter 14 and Zechariah chapter 12. Here's... Here's the, the nations of the world saying to Israel, stop acting alone. The Bible says they will act alone. They will stand by themselves in the field, but they're not really alone because Christ is standing with them. Look, if Christ is, in, in other words, they're not overwhelmed because they're standing alone. This is one nation. Now, just to give you a little perspective, if you want to know how big Gaza is, it's about from here, where I'm standing, to the Starbucks in Statesville. The new Starbucks in Statesville. If you don't know where that is, I'll tell you. It's about that far, and it's a couple of miles wide. And in that area, there's about two plus million people who live there. That's the area we're talking about. From here to Statesville, the Starbucks, and a couple of miles on either side of the interstate, with two million people plus living there. And now, a bunch of Israeli soldiers who are actually inside the compound as well. We're not talking about a huge area of the earth, folks. We're talking about a very small piece of land and a very concentrated event that's going on. Do you want to know what the next very concentrated event that's going to happen in this world is going to go on? Armageddon. Because they're all going to meet in the valley. So God, God can actually pull off a very concentrated event In a very small place. He doesn't need to have huge countries like Russia to pull this off. He can do it right there. Our world is nuts. Our world is crazy. Because here's Russia flying in plane loads of humanitarian supplies to the people in Gaza. Figure that out. I don't know if you know it, but China published a world map this week. They, all nations publish maps, and China just put out a new one. It's online. You can go see it. There's no mention of Israel on that map. There's no lines drawn at all. There's no mention at all. It's, it's, a, it's a world without Israel at all. And that's why we have all the hatred and the, and the things that are being said against Israel and against Jews in our world, all over the world, are being said that, you know why? It's not just a natural battle, folks. It's a spiritual battle that we find ourselves living in. And all that anger and hatred and everything else, all the vitriolic that's coming out is a result of the times we've moved into. And here's the United States that are saying, Israel should avoid acting in isolation. But isolation is exactly where God wanted to bring them so he could stand with them and defeat the nations of the world that come against Jerusalem. I mean, that's your headlines. There's a link. You can go find it. There's lots of others. 
And that's why Daniel said, thank God for the insight we have that comes only from God to be able to know exactly where we are. So graphically, let's look at it this way. In the center, it's always Christ, but all of these events are happening coincidentally around us, right? Happening around Christ and and the bride. And so Israel, the church, and the world, and everything else, it's all all, uh, revolves around the prophecies that were spoken about in our time. Does that make sense? So then today, uh, our Secretary of State is over uh, in Ramallah, and Ramallah is in the West Bank, in what they call Palestine, modern Palestine today. Not in Gaza, but in uh, Ramallah, which is in in, in the West Bank. Mr. Abbas over here on the right is the head of the Palestinian people, and Mr. Blinken is over here on the left. And this is actually some shots that were taken prior to the interview. They were having a photo op, and they were having a conversation there, so they, they pose and have you know, the, the handshake and uh, so forth. But this is a, that's why they're looking in different directions there, because this is a couple of photographs prior to the actual meeting. Draw your attention to one thing. What's the one thing in this picture that should grab your attention? This is in Ramallah. This is where the Palestinian headquarters is outside of Qatar. But this is where the Palestinian leadership lives. And the background is a picture of the Temple Mount. Because it's not about the pile of dirt called Gaza. It's about Jerusalem. It always is about Jerusalem. And it's about that Temple Mount. And that's today. That's this morning that happened in the Middle East there. And he's there talking with them for the first time. For the first time, he met Mr. Abbas in Jordan prior uh, to this week. But today, he's in Ramallah talking with the Palestinian Authority there because they're trying to do everything they can to get Israel to back off. Now look, we could wrap this up right here. Because I think graphically, I've given you a fair bit to think about right here. If this is true, where does that leave us? I mean, you got to wonder, right? Where does that leave us? To me, that leaves us on the brink. We're not gone over yet, but our toes are wrapped around the edge. And if it isn't this conflict, because some people say, well, it can't happen because of this, this, and this. It'll be another one. But where where the focus of the world's attention is going to be is not Jeffersonville, neither Moscow. It's going to be right there in Jerusalem. And that's what this is all about. This is where this goes, folks, because that's the Bible. And your job is not to figure out current events by following CNN and Politico.com and BBC. That's not your job. Your job is to stay with the Word. It's to stay with the Bible. In every, not only in foreign affairs, not only in modern events like Brother Bram talked about, but in every area of your life. What you dress like, what you spend your money on, how you worship, every bit of it should come somewhere from Scripture. And if you don't, you're going to be misled. Because when there's a void of leadership of the Holy Spirit, Brother Branham taught us, there are demon spirits moving right in to fill that void. 
And you can wind up justifying all kinds of things that are not biblical nor morally right. Remarriage and, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of other things that are, that are just not right. <clears throat> so Paul writes and says, of these times and seasons, you have no need that I write unto you. Why wouldn't he need to write unto us? Because, and let me answer the question for you. I'm asking the question, so I'm allowed to answer the question. I believe that we don't need to figure this out ourselves because we've had a prophet in the last day that told us right where we were on the timeline. This is about the timeline, right? Times and seasons. And Brother Bram comes along and says, Thus saith the Lord, we're at the end time. We're right there. So you don't, you don't, Paul says, I don't need to explain all of this out to you. When the day comes, you'll have somebody on the scene who will point to exactly where you are. And if that's true, this day also will include a shout, a voice, the trump of God. And everything you have need of to know where you are will be in that place. Now, <clears throat> if that's true, if everything I've said this morning is true and an indicative of where we are, I'm not going to keep you long, but there's five things I want to share with you. Number one is, Brother Branham said, when this happens, watch the wave of sin happen now. So he, he's, he's moving, he's, he's suggesting that we're going from the first pole, second pole, and we're coming into something, which we know would be the third pole, right? And if that's true, if that's actually happening, then you know what? The world's just going to break wide open because heaven will pour itself out on earth because God's going to reveal the open windows of heaven and pour out an understanding the world's never had. Correspondingly, Hell's going to break loose. One is a precursor of the other. That's why when I said, Brother Bram, you know, in preaching the seals, it's like a triggering event. When that happened, other things were loosed in the earth. Other things began to happen that were waiting on this triggering event. He says, watch the wave of sin. You watch it go plumb to the core. Now in his day, remember in the, in the 60s, that's when people got out, grooved along here, put on a bandana, painted up their Volkswagen Beetle vans, and sat in offices of college presidents, right? And we had uh, Kent State and all, you know, the other things and uh, different things that were happening. And then you had other, it seemed like uh, there was, there was uh, you know, the increase of violence in the earth. And that's when John Kennedy was assassinated, Robert Kennedy was assassinated, Martin Luther King was assassinated. And you had, you know, uh, all the race riots and all the other things that were happening. It looked, like, it looked like it was all, you know, exploding. Hey, listen, that's nothing compared to where we are today. Nothing. And so Brother Bram's looking at this wave of sin correspondingly. If God, if God actually does this, there's going, to be, there's going to be this other thing that takes place as well. And so the world's going to look different to everybody. From now on, the world's going to look different. For, for 1,900 years, the world looks a certain way. Hey, for 1,900 years, men dressed like men looked like men. They acted like men, and they didn't wonder were they men. 1,900 years, everything went, went along fine. All of a sudden, you kind of come to a point, and what's the triggering point? What's the, what's, the, what's the tipping point for that moment? It's the windows of heaven are open. The, the book that's sealed becomes open, right? Mysteries are revealed. 
God's revealing himself according to Revelation 10.1. We're not waiting for Revelation 10.1-7 now. We're living in the days of Revelation 10.1-7. And when that comes open, hey, correspondingly, there's also this surge in the guts of hell pours out upon the face of the earth. And everything changes. So now, now, there's, now we're living in a world that is a result of all of those things being poured upon the earth. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to kind of make sure we're oriented here. That's one thing. The second thing is this. Is that Brother Manum said, it's harvest time and there must come. Watch what he says. If it, if it truly is harvest time, then the wheat in the field must be mature, ready to ripe. Ready to, ready to harvest, ready to gather in, okay? And the, on, the only condition that needs to be met for the uh, wheat to be gathered in the barn is that it's mature. It's ripened, fully ripened. You don't do anything before that, that time comes. And Brother Bram's reconfirming that. He said, there must come upon the scene in this age those, plural, who will bring the wheat and tares to maturity. The tares are already maturing very fast under corrupt teachers who turn people from the word. But the wheat must mature. How many wheat do we have here? Now this is where, pardon the pun, you're supposed to wave your hand. Like wheat waving in the field. But the wheat must mature. To her, God is sending the prophet messenger with a vindicated ministry. A prophet with ministry, fivefold ministry, that he might be accepted by the elect. They will hear him as the first church heard Paul. They will hear him as the first church heard Paul. And she will mature in the word until becoming a word bride. And the mighty works will be found in her that are always attendant upon the pure word and faith. Wow. I wonder did they build websites against Paul. I wonder did they, uh, you know, debate Paul's word. Well, probably, I mean, probably did, right? But in the middle of that, in the middle of that opposition that Paul probably felt, because there's a lot of people who never probably really believed Paul. There's probably people in, who were among the churches who believed he's a plant. He's a Jew faking a conversion, and now he's among us here. He's just spying out our liberty. You got to wonder. Do you realize I've been called that? I think it's kind of a, an honor to be called that in the same way. Because people thought, and I don't mind telling you this, People thought that I was a plant by the Jesuit church because I was educated by the Jesuits and I had audience with the Pope and they felt like I was a plant in the message community to relate things back to Rome about what happens in the bride. That's, I'm not kidding you. It was me and one other brother who lived in Germany who, uh, or sorry, who lived in Connecticut who were accused of that because we were both educated by the Jesuits. So in my report to Rome today, I guess if I had to report to Rome, I'd say, we had a fall festival yesterday, buddy. It was great. And Jason, the kid, Ashdown, and Brother Shem over there, they won third place in the log contest. That would be my report. And old Titus over here came home with the gold and brought it down to, down to South North Carolina, which is an oxymoron. And he had the best pie and... That would be my report. I'm sure they wouldn't want to know that in Rome. How silly. Don't miss the point. The point is, Brother Brown said, if we are in the harvest time, there should be a corresponding maturity among the bride. It's got to be there because it's only called harvest when the wheat is mature. 
Otherwise, it's pre-harvest. It's not harvest. We had a wave sheaf offered, right? Remember a wave sheaf? is one or two stalks that have come to maturity early that are waved over the rest of the field, inviting God's blessing over the rest of the field to come to maturity. Here he is, and here's what it looks like. When Brother Branham moved in at the realm of the third pole, there were three attributes of that third pole. Number one was the opening of the word. God opened the word to him in a way that no other church-age messenger ever had it. And there was a manifestation of the character of God in his life because God could trust him with this power. There were five identifications of the third pole, and the first one was the creation of those squirrels, the storm where Brother Bram spoke it out of existence. Number three, the little fish that was resurrected. Number four was Hattie Wright and the experience of salvation of her two sons. And number five was when Sister Meaty was miraculously healed of the tumor that was as big as a grapefruit when she laid on the operating table and the doctor examined her. You remember that? And Brother Bram, he was kneeling at home in his ottoman and the Holy Spirit told him, stand up and speak to that thing. And he spoke it right out of existence there. You know what? That hasn't happened to all of us because he was a first fruits. He was a wave sheaf. Are you following me? I can give you quotes if you want. <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily mean that we will do all these things. Not at all. Because you know what? Even if we didn't, we do now believe that God could. We do believe that God does. God creates the supernatural. God heals supernaturally. God saves supernaturally. We believe that, don't we? God doesn't need to repeat himself again and again and again and again and again to prove that God is a supernatural miracle working God. We should not have to have everybody on their feet screaming at him and pumping him up in order to prove that God is God. You know what? He's still God whether you're sitting or standing. Hello? The third aspect of this is that this goes out to the total lost like it did in the days of Noah. Because as the ark was building, Noah was still preaching to people who would never get in it. Noah was preaching to people who would be lost. And I believe that's one of the reasons that we're still here, to take the book, eat the book, prophesy again. You know you're actually speaking to, you're living among, you're witnessing to by your life, and the display of the token, you're living among people that will never enter into the bride of Christ. They have no place in the marriage supper. It's a preaching to the total lost. But God can always point to your righteous life and say, but I put a member of the bride right in your, right in your department, right in your classroom, right in your job. I put a member of the bride of Christ right there, and they had the words of life. And they spoke to you on this day, or they spoke to you on that day, or said this, or did this. And yet, you pass that by. And so God has a witness in the earth. And until it's over, God will have a witness in the earth. Until the tribulation, God will have a witness in the earth. Guess who the witnesses are? You are the witnesses. Therefore, the length of your skirt matters. What you do with your hair matters. Guys, your language matters. And when a dirty joke is told, your response to that matters. Hello? 
All of those things matter because you're a witness to the total lost in this world. Like Noah's family were a witness to the total lost in his world. If all of this is true. And as far as I know, all of it is. We're living in a point where this harvest thing is really an important time for God. But not a lengthy time. In James chapter 5, be patient therefore, this is what James said to the early church, be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, which would be a 2,000 year gap here. Behold, a husbandman waiteth for, and that word waiteth in the Greek, it means expects. The husbandman, the guy who planted, is expecting a specific kind of fruit, precious to him, and hath long patience. In other words, He's, he's been mild and slow to punish. God who has been slow to punish. 68 million of our brethren died in the dark ages. And God has still not poured out wrath because of the 68 million deaths. All the martyrs and all the people who died at the stake and died, uh, you know, in... in persecution and torture and everything else and you know what by grace he's been slow to punish until and that's the important word he receiveth the early and latter rain and those things happen in the harvest time be also patient strengthen your hearts establish your hearts for the coming of the lord draweth nigh so this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be slow to punish. Not much is going to happen in terms of harvest. Not much is going to happen in terms of wind up until, until there comes a point where he receives the early and latter rain and he says, be patient, or sorry, be, sorry establish your heart, strengthen your hearts because in that season, the coming of the Lord will draw near. Again, we could stop here. Again, we could just say, if that's true, where does that put us? It just seems to me like we're not waiting for more seasons to come. We're not waiting for other turns of the year to come. Harvest time happens only under one condition, and that one condition is the maturity of the wheat that's in the field. That's it. It can be a rainy year, it can be a cold year, whatever else. Let me tell you, the one who planted the seed is waiting for only one thing, and that is the maturity of the bride. If that's true, and you're that bride, we ought to be praying. I think it doesn't even hurt for us to pray, Lord, bake all the immaturity out of me. Lord, take all the immaturity out of me. Help me be fighting for the right things. And help me to be seeing things as they really are and not just as we want them to be. But let me see things as they really are. If if this is true, and I believe that it is, it'd be good to gather your kids around you, if you can, your grandkids, and gather them around and say, hey, we're living in an important time. And... This is an individual affair between you and God. And all of you got to be sure. All of you got to be in the place where, you know, you're 
old enough to make decisions. And little kids obviously are going to think differently about this, but we're at a point where this, is, this matters now to us all. I, I, I mean, I, I think it would kind of be similar to being in the first exodus, you know, when God told him, he says, now go home and apply the token. And, and you dress with your, you know, with your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, get your cloak on, have certain kind of food, brush all the stuff out of your house that doesn't belong there. And, and the father must have had to come home and gather the family around and say, hey, guys, you know what? We got a word today in church that suggested things are not going to be the same here anymore. Because <laughs> now we can't think of adding a new wing on the house and we can't think of, you know, long-term investments here. <laughs> We're going out of here. Now, not that you shouldn't be a good steward over what you had. If you're in the process of, you know, building a house or putting a wing on, go ahead. Go quickly, but go ahead. But you understand the mindset. God, their mindset was different coming home from church that day because they had to gather the family around and say, now we're all a part of this because we all live under the house, uh, the roof of the house. So we've got to apply the token here. You know what? It applies to everybody in the house, and we've got to be ready because this is the sign to the death angel that this house is okay and everybody in it is okay, and, but we are going out. Where we're going to go, we're going to trust that to God, but it is a definite sign. that We heard a voice today in church that we're going out. So you, kids, you've got to think about this. You've got you to realize that be, none of us will be left behind. We're all going. So you had to play your part. I've got to do my part, and you've you got to do your part, and we're going out of here. And if there's something that, kids, if there's something you need to make right, you should make it right. If there's need to be baptized, then be baptized. I mean, what holds us back now? What, what, or let's say it this way. What do you got to lose? If you do everything God's way, what do you got to lose? Because if you do it right, God will honor that. God will bless you for your obedience to his word, right? Even if you're a ranked sinner, God will bless you for your obedience to his word. Absolutely true, right? Come on, folks. Naaman was healed even though he was an enemy of the people of Israel. He was healed anyway because he obeyed what the prophet said, right? He's not exactly your typical believer, right? He didn't just come from camp. So if God's word's real clear, you know what? We need to act on that. And what he got to lose? And if your fire is not hot enough in your heart, you just say, Lord, stoke it. Whatever it takes, Lord. Now, whenever you say whatever it takes, be ready. Because <laughs> God will do it. Brother Sam, God will do it. Talk about headwinds. Sam headwinds pew. Talk about, you talk about being ready and, and, and saying whatever it takes means that you're, you're ready to do whatever it is that God commands you to do, or God shows you to do. Whatever it takes. Don't say it unless you mean it. But if you mean it, let me tell you, God will take you right through to the position he wants you to be in before this thing winds up. Let's have our musicians, if you will, slip up to the instruments here. If, if all of this is true, if all of this is true, We'll get to the other pieces of this, but I just wanted to give you the first line of number three. The real Jews are gathering into Palestine again, exactly what the prophet said. 
And here's Brother Bram back in the 60s here, and he's looking at all of this, and somehow or another, politically, militarily, spiritually, everything's moving. Everything's rotating. It's not where it was. Now here's where it is over here. Society used to be this. Now it's over here. Israel used to be scattered. Now they're here. Churches always did this, and now they're doing this. And Brother Bram's noticing that. He's seeing all of this happening here. And he says, in the very hour that Israel was signed in to be a, be a nation, it was the very same hour, very same day, very same month, that I was at Green's Mill when the angel appeared to me and sent me out in the field with this, with this message for the last day's bride. And after he met me down on the river, he told me what would take place and then commissioned me 11 years later at the same hour, Israel was signed in as a nation. Hmm. Next line, it's all connected together. It's all connected together. The difference is God deals with the Jews as a nation. That's why the nation is mobilized against their enemy. They have a physical enemy. They fight a physical fight. God deals with the Gentiles, though, as individuals. So that's why I'm speaking to you as though I was speaking to you across a cup of coffee because God deals with you as individuals and you've got to make a choice. You've got to decide. And here's where we're at. Let's stand to our feet. Here's where we're at. We're as individuals. Abraham's seed. And he said, you just mark it, young folks, in your book and see whether it's right or not. If this is true, we've had a triggering event. It's almost like the big shed doors open and the combines are now visible. You can see them all. If you've got a combine, it doesn't take long to harvest a field. And remember now in Revelation chapter 14, verse 16, he said, Take thy sickle and thrust it in. The harvest of the earth has come. Wow. If it's true, if it's true, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily.
pleasures all forsaken take me Jesus take me now oh just give it to him now I surrender all Lord yes I surrender To Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, how I love Thee! How I prophecy not just because of the circumstances so in other words it isn't fear that drives us to surrender our life to Christ it's because of what God says right it's the way he speaks to us it's his open hands of mercy that he extends to us that's why we react not because of fear that well the United Nations are going to do this or Israel's going to do that Hey, circumstances will come and go. It'll get hot. It'll get cool and all the rest of it. That's not why we surrender our lives to Christ. We surrender because we want to be with him. We want to have him in us until the end of the way. And today is not a, any better day than today to surrender your life to Christ and say, Lord, I just want to, I want to be in your arms. I want to be under your leadership. I want to be under your protection. And I want to apply the token in my life first. And if there's anybody who would like to do that, you're certainly welcome to to make that commitment today. Certainly welcome to do that today. 
Never been a better day than today to do that. I give myself away. Lord, I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. Lord, I'm longing to Desires reveal in me as I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. myself away so you can use me. Take my heart, take my life as a living sacrifice. All my dreams, all my plans. myself away yes I give myself Oh uh-huh. 
we find the strength of the Lord. It's not in trying, but in trusting. Oh, it's not in running, but in resting. It's not in worrying, but in We find the strength of the Lord. Sing it again. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's not in trying, but in trusting. Well, it's not in running, but in resting. It's not in wondering, but in praying. That we find the strength of the Lord. It's just resting. Amen. It's just resting in Christ. What a, what a great place to be today is in Christ. If you're in Christ today, you should be thankful that, you know, you didn't run and find him, but he found you. And he loved you, and that's why he's got his hand upon your life and yeah, some people make it. They make a living in running from God. I'll guarantee you, you can't run fast enough to run away from God. And neither you're not going to camp your way in. You're not going to impersonate your way in. It's just like Rahab's neighbor, right? You got to wonder about Rahab's neighbor, and she sees the cord. She hears the stories, same stories. Sees the cord. Hey, well, I'll get a cord. I don't have a cord. I got a bed sheet, so I'll put that out there put a substitute out there. It didn't work. Because you're not going to impersonate your way in. It's, it's, let me tell you, nothing replaces a meeting with God. Nothing replaces a surrendered life to God. What a beautiful thing. I'm going to make it. He's already said I would. I'm going to make it. I'm glad. I'm glad. He reached down and his mercy found me today glad that he has. I'm gonna make it. He already said that I would. And I'll keep on trusting that he's working
our heads together this morning. And if you're able, lay, lay your hand over on somebody today or you got family member or spouse and grab their hand. and Let's just pray together. The musicians just play softly. Let's just pray. Lord, we don't want to... And, and I, I'm going to pray this way for you, that we don't walk ahead in fear. We don't walk ahead because we're scared of not walking. But we want to walk with you, Lord. We want to walk in your shadow. That's the way we want to walk. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, Lord, I know there's some real sincere hearts here today that are praying for each other and praying for their families. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, you would dig deep today, stir in our hearts, Lord. Ignite the passionate fires that should exist in the heart of every believer today. Looking, Lord, at how things are happening and how prophecy is being fulfilled and how modern events are being made clear by prophecy. Lord, it should stir a real fire within our hearts. It's a desire, Lord, to be obedient to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us in our families, in our households, Lord, that the choices we make, the things we do, Lord, will be just exactly in accordance with your perfect will. And that, Lord, we would be mindful of just exactly where you want us to be. Your prophet taught us, Lord, that the Holy Spirit was moving everything around to exactly where it should be for the end to come. And, Lord, we... We just want to be obedient to that. We want to be sensitive to that. We want to be movable and pliable in your hands. Forgive us, Lord, of everything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Accept our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. Lord, transform our thinking, transform our view, transform our way of life, Lord, I pray in every way. We think, Lord, of believers all over the world, people, Lord, who are struggling and suffering, People, Lord, who are pressing on the battle just like us. We pray for them as well that your mighty anointing, Lord, would have a global effect on your people. Encourage the discouraged. Bring healing, Lord, especially to our own assembly, Lord, and people facing chronic conditions. Lord Jesus, you're a healer of all of them. We pray for the drums today. We pray for Sister Karen. We pray, Lord, for Brother Keith and ask, oh God, you'd be mindful of their specific needs today. We just want to say we love you and we're so grateful, Lord, to be in the place we are today. To be actually listening to the words of a prophet that came in our day. Words we believe are true. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now bless our, the balance of our day. May our fellowship be sweet and may your presence, Lord, be found near. We love you. We thank you. We ask your blessing upon each family now today. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Have your way. Oh, have your way. Oh, holy
go this morning. God bless you. Yes, and have your, your way. We'll have your have your way. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and, and have, have your way. Press on.